I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. It's shameless. It's we're, sex. We're so it's shameless. Pod. It's a cast. Ooh, I have an announcement, everyone. This uh, intro is going to be really short. I have a couple announcements. It's going to be really short because this is essentially your ad-free episode for the month. We try to do one ad-free episode every month. So this one is going to have us uh, giving a little intro, introducing our guests, and sharing uh, about another podcast that's part of our podcast family. And I had an announcement, too. We are uh, going to start offering merch so t-shirts Merch. and things and masks with some of our logos. Some skirts. And <laughs> and all of the proceeds will be donated to Black Lives Matter, to Black Lives Matter causes. So um, it should be available on our website soon. It's not quite available yet if you're listening to the day this is launched. We're working on it. Yeah. So we keep your, your eyes open and posted so that you can find out. And again, all of the donations, all the proceeds will be going to a Black Lives Matter cause. So... That's exciting. You can even get a little mask of uh, a little face mask thing that is a picture of us wearing face masks. <laughs> it's the quarantine edition. Yeah, the quarantine edition photo yes. of Shameless Sex. Us as little cartoonies. Our, us as little, we're like Disney princesses. Yeah, we're so cute. Yeah. We're adorable. And uh, let's see, what other announcement? It's Pride Month, y'all. It is Pride Happy Pride. Pride Month. We've talked about this a little bit, maybe in the past episode or two. So this episode today is with Monique Gomez. It's on bisexuality, sexual fluidity, and she also talks about increasing the power of orgasms, not necessarily related to bisexuality, but she talks about all these different topics. And I want to say happy Pride, happy LGBTQ plus awareness month, um, support, celebrate. I know a lot of the Pride festivals are canceled. different, canceled this yeah. year for various reasons, not just COVID, also um, Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Uh, and just want to share our love and support. At the end of the month, we have Buck Angel coming on. Our I know. Show, I'm so show. excited. Yeah. If you don't know Buck Angel, Buck Angel is a trans man. He's incredible. He's designed some sex toys. Sex as toys well. are really cool, too. There's nothing else like his sex toy line. Yeah. He's, he's very innovative, very yeah, brilliant work. And he's known as the Tranpa. Instead of grandpa, yeah. grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, so yeah, again, happy LGBTQ plus. I'll throw in the A in there as well for asexual folks as well. Uh, Awareness month, go and support. And we just went to a really awesome panel that XBiz put together. It's for folks who work in the sex toy adult industry. And it was about race in adult, which is really interesting to hear a lot of perspectives on. I don't know if you all have gone in sex shops before and seen some of the packages that are like very white and uh, very also usually very heteronormative. Um, And also a lot of the things that are um, depicting people of color are very much fetishizing 
not going to name any brands, but just bringing some awareness to that. It was a really interesting panel. I just had to answer. I just did an interview, and it was about who we think as Hot Octopus as a brand are the leaders in diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time. The leaders meaning what what manufacturers. Think, yeah. And it took me, and even, even an overall insight to mainstream brands as well. And it took me a long time to think about yeah. the brands because a lot of people are doing the shifts now. And at the same time, there hasn't been a lot of brands that had stood out to me as being super inclusive. Yeah. I think I'm happy that people are taking are taking this all of this stuff into to heart and making some shifts it's really yeah. important and mm-hmm. we're guilty of it as well yeah. uh we and we will definitely do our best to we're forever just be learning. more mindful yeah learning yeah. educating and doing what we can to not stay in our little box and to expand our minds i remember when we opened up pure pleasure the retail store and we still have the website which i should go through the website and check out what the packaging we are, we have on there um, but when we were at the retail store, it was really important to not have packages that uh, even just just showing women being objectified and things like that. And, and like I like a good objectification when I ask for it. But, you know, there, so there's just an awareness there. And I just if people if listeners are passionate about that, the next time you go in an adult store, start to maybe just check that out and pay attention to what you're seeing. When there. I had started working at Pure Pleasure and I hadn't really ever been in a sex shop in my, in my life, I just hadn't there weren't really many where I grew up. And and I remember you saying that. It was a goal of kind of the the shop itself and of of yours mm-hmm. to not have packages with with body women or and, yeah. or people spread eagle spread open with the big and I was like o you're face. right there are a lot of yeah. packages like that and yeah. not everybody wants to see that we're working at Hot Octopus to remove all of the we have a lot of white folks in our packages yeah. and it's not something that I think anyone did consciously I think it just happens unconsciously and. Mm-hmm. We're also shifting that. So it, it's really obviously when you see it and you're after all of this that's happening in the world and you see it and it's right in front of you. We're like, damn it. How did yeah. we miss that? Yeah. That's, but you can admit your mistakes and totally. and fix them and, and know that it, it was not intentional and hopefully – more folks will do the same thing yeah everywhere admitting where we can do better and continuing to educate ourselves yeah so should you be someone passionate about that well there's our little rant and (laughs) go check it out maybe that could be your homework go in a sex shop i was thinking about this the other day and i wanted to ask you now that we're on the air i'll ask you oh shit she's drilling me now no no not (laughs) drilling you do you think and i was wondering because i've done these accents for a long time and they're never in my opinion, I have never met them as a microaggression. Mm -hmm. And I was just watching something yesterday and someone was doing an accent. I don't remember even what it was. And, and I was thinking to myself, is that a microaggression? Because even though you're not making fun of some, something or someone's how they speak and is it still considered to be something of an, an offensive way to, uh, to repeat something that you've heard in the accent that it was, it was, uh, heard in. I, I won't have the perfect answer on this. We talked about microaggressions a lot when I took the, the, the Hakomi training. And microaggressions would be like the little subtle ways that we say something. Maybe it's an accent or a movement or a comment that 
it really is. When we used to say sit Indian style. Yes. That's a, right. Things like that. Someone yeah. actually wrote oh, us no, someone a did. review on, this on iTunes. They're on there again. Like, fuck you. Talking about Indian yeah. style again. Just say these are things that lack awareness that are, I think, stereotyping. And, um, and when people say I got gypped, I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. That is very offensive because it's talking about folks that were gypsies and yeah. it's not really a good. So I like to educate people about that. Yeah. And sometimes uh, I, I but with, in relation to accents, I think I'm like, I'm like, what is, so is that going to be something that I need to be aware of? Uh, yeah. I, again, I won't have the perfect answer to that. And I think that there's certain folks that ha- I think that have been oppressed and that when there's stereotypes that are continuously portrayed against folks that are about folks who are, are have already been, uh, you know, historically oppressed, then it might be something to consider should you be on that path. So I can still do my Minnesota accent. You can totally. I think the Minnesotans are fine. Yeah. And my Canadian accent. And Wisconsin. And Wisconsin. some of my Southern charm accents. I know some Canadians might be like, and my, actually. And my East Coast, sometimes I have good Maine and I like your Irish New York one, boroughs though. I'm and really, Irish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Scottish? I can do both. I can do all of them. I can do London. I can do Cockney London. Cockney. (laughs) Chimney sweeping. I can do... Pinky. Was it fucking Pinky Blinders? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's Tom Hardy, though. I remember when we were at the trade show in Germany and uh, we... You met the guy who was from the neighborhood? Yeah, Yeah. And I was like, I just heard him talking to someone else and I went up to him and I said... Peaky fucking blinders. <laughs> I was like, you sound just like Tom Hardy. He's like, we're from the same neighborhood. I was like, oh my he, God. He did not say it that way too. We're from the same. It sounds like no, Mr. Rogers. We're from, the, yeah, <laughs> we're from the same neighborhood. He didn't say it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. He sounded he exactly like Tom Hardy. Yeah. And he said, they're from the same. It's even the same street because mm-hmm. each, each uh, street you can actually tell where people are from in, in England. I learned this when I was there yeah. from their accent. You could actually tell like, the block they are from. Hmm. Which is awesome because even in in the boroughs of New York, you can actually tell the difference between folks that are from Queens to the Bronx to Brooklyn to Manhattan, which is really cool. We learned that specifically when we were in at the Sex Expo last Mm -hmm. year in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I love that. It's so cool because it is it's it it feels so uh, special and awesome to be able to identify and and i don't know i love that kind of knowledge yeah yeah i yeah i think and then i understand when there's like a sense of of play in doing accents and i think it would be a little extreme to say that that it's not safe for anyone to do accents other than their their own culture that they identify with and they would that would exclude like pretty much all stand-up comedy and all of saturday night live and all these things too and Again, if I think if it's coming from a place of continued oppression, then... I started getting story. a weird British accent when I was in England a lot. You started picking Not it up. even on purpose. I was like, damn it. Like, I've been here too long. <laughs> yeah. You were into it, though. You were like... Oh, oh I loved it. Fun. And people would be like, where are you from? You have the most interesting accent. Wisconsin. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Oh, that's cute. Wisconsin. Scanny. You just made me want some cheese. Oh, is that a microaggression? Shit. By the way, there is there, there one last thing, and this is totally off topic. I just thought about it. Someone that listens to our podcast, I'm not obviously going to say her name, but she wrote me because she was married to or is married to a mutual friend that I've had for a long time, and I never had a chance to write her back, and I just remembered, and she found like a picture of me. From when I used to be a festival kid. Oh, you have a dreadlock. Probably. I wasn't in the photo. (laughs) And I feel bad that I never responded to her. She's from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And if you're listening, thanks for reaching out. And I was mindful and it brought a smile to my face. And 
I'd like to see this. I'm photo. terrible with responding. Just like Dr. C. I never responded to him. So, Dr. C, I can't believe she didn't respond to you. Amy's been actually on me about it, and I have it flagged. He's trying to help. In my emails. <laughs> and my emails. He's offering free services. My emails are literally like a sea of. The abyss of it's, emails. It's, an un, it's a, a sea that we know no depths. Mm-hmm. We cannot track. I, I look at your too. emails because we share some emails. I'm like, wow, she's so organized. Yeah, I, I don't have like 80 hot octopus emails coming in a day. I mean, I get more than that sometimes. I have like five Uber loop emails. That come yeah. In. So yeah. time management, maybe time not management. be my best no. uh, thing right now, but I'm also going through a lot of personal changes. So that's true. Yeah. All right. Let's get back. Not, enough about me already, Amy. All right. We love you though, April. Um, okay. So what we're going to do right now is play another little trailer, a little teaser for you as we've been doing uh, their little 30 to 45 second clips from our podcast family. Bowdy. Bout from Bowdy Storytelling. She was on our podcast ooh, sometime last Dixie? summer. Yes. And I think the episode is called The Best Dating Advice You'll Ever Receive. But she's an erotic storyteller and organizes erotic storytelling events that were usually in person with like 300 people. But now they're online. Um, so you can go check that out and check out our podcast. It's uh, different from ours. It's still educational. And yeah, it's it's um, really vulnerable personal stories that involve about sexuality. So without further ado, we are going to play this trailer again from our podcast, Family Pleasure Podcast. Ready, set, go. Hi, this is sexual folklorist Dixie Dillator from the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm excited to answer the Pleasure Podcast question of the month, which is, what is my number one sex tip for quarantine? I'm sequestered all alone with my partner, Bent, and we're big fans of role play. Our go-to used to be Anna Nicole Smith and the Rich Old Man. Sign this legal document, husband. No, Anna Nicole, I know you only want to inherit all my money. But after more than six weeks of shelter in place, we're mixing it up these days. You like that, don't you, Carol Baskin? No, Joe Exotic, don't cover me with that sardine oil. Want to hear more true adventures of sex, kink, or gender? Check out the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks. I just love Dixie. She's amazing. I've hung out with her maybe twice now, and I'd like to hang out with her a lot more. I love the tip about role play and her playfulness that she brings into. Again, so, and her yeah. voice. She yes. does some voice. I can't uh, even overs. say body the way she's a body. 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 Storytelling. Wow, that's all right. Everyone, go check it out. The bow, body. B A W. Wait, B A W. Isn't it B A bod? B A W. I thought it was B A U D Y. Bowdy. No, I'm gonna go Google it right now. Body. B A W D Y. Bowdy story. Why do I think there was a U in there somewhere? Because it sounds like that, but it's Bowdy. 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 Yeah. Bowdy. Yeah. There you go. You did it. Oh, I did it. Yeah, that was right. Oh, there you go. Oh, Bowdy. Two Bawdy. gold stars for Bawdy. you, Chip. Everyone, go check out that That's podcast. That's not easy. I know. You're good at Just accents. like Chris uh, Ryan's tangentially speaking. Tangentially. Tangentially. Yeah. I, I can. I still struggle with that. I'm like, that was a tangentially. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're speaking French Sounds now. like I drank too much wine, which I didn't. <laughs> tangentially. Tangentially. All right, everyone, you ready for a bio? And then we're going to dive right into the podcast. No ads. Just oh, yeah. learn. Ad free. Education. Ad fun. Free. Woo. Ad free. Okay. So here we go. This is Monique Gomez, who is absolutely incredible. Monique Gomez is an intimacy and embodiment coach, educator, and TEDx speaker. She serves others to support clarifying their relationship with their intimate selves to live in deep satisfaction with their sexuality, relationships, body, mind, spirit, and heart. She speaks about the power of the pause and intuition as a tool for living authentically. 
Her passion is helping others heal sexual wounding, live consciously, and embodied. To learn more, visit MoniqueGomez.com. That's M-O-N-I-Q-E-G-O-M-E-Z.com. All right, let's get to it. All right, everyone, is interview time, conversation time. We try to make it a fun conversation. Sometimes it's an interview, but um, we already had some fun, playful banter for about 15 minutes. And I'm realizing, April, we came in hot. We were like, wow. And, and then uh, uh, Monique here was like just meeting us right away. We're like, okay, this yeah. is working out. <laughs> I liked it. I liked the energy. Yeah. Yeah. Attunement is, a, is totally a, a, a real thing um, that, and I, I think you know sometimes we can actively work to attune to each other in terms of where we're arriving, like energetically. I think this happens a lot in partnerships too, where people feel like they're not meeting each other and they're not attuning to each other. And um, you know, especially if there's like past resentments about like you never meet me, then it's hard. But we don't have any stuff with you, so <laughs> we're brand new to each other, so we just jumped right yeah. in. It's all sparkly. It's I good. Know. It's like the lust phase here. Oh, hey, no. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here as usual over a video call. Um, and we always start with the same question for all of our guests. And that is, uh, if you can tell us where, how you got to where you are today, like what you, what brought you here in this world of human sexuality? Yeah. So my story, let's see, I think it's, it began about, eight years ago. And I always say eight years ago, because that's when I w- decided to be sober, or I made that decision. I struggled with alcoholism for um, my late teens, most of my 20s. And, you know, I had a lot of trauma, and I had a lot of sexual trauma growing up, I had a lot of just abuse and things like that. So, you know, I found alcohol as a way to help with it, even though, or numb it really. Mm -hmm. And, um, so about eight years ago, I came to this point where I almost drank myself to death and I had this huge, um, like choice to make. It felt like, like I either continue on this path and I knew where that path was going to go. Right. I was like familiar to me. Um, I was a functioning alcoholic. I was doing things. People really didn't necessarily know that I was, you know, I had jobs and I had all the things and and then, um, and then I decided, you know, or, or it was going to be face my fear, take this other path that was, was terrifying to me to actually look at things, to actually start, um, showing up for myself and seeing myself really. So, um, that's when I came into this whole new space. So I had gone to school for health education. So I was always in the health education world on some level. And then I went to massage school. So then I started learning about the body. And so all of that kind of happened. And then I had this, this moment uh, where I had to choose what I was going to do. I decided to choose sobriety. And at the same time, I had what I like to call like a sexual and spiritual awakening. Like it felt I was with a partner and he was very, um, uh, skilled and and we did a lot of like tantra and we used sexual energy basically to heal a lot of what I had gone through and so that kind of started my journey and since then I've been connecting both constantly I've been into deep meditative you know studied yoga a lot of body work a lot of energy work 
really into that world and also bringing it into the groundedness of like the body and, um, and using the sexual energy to kind of connect the two, you know, weaving both spirit and, and sex together. Mm-hmm. And so now um, I've been teaching about it and coaching and I just felt so called. It's like, I reached a point where I was like, oh, now I'm ready to share. Just kind of share what I've been learning because um, so much of what I also had was religious guilt and, you know, sex was a lot of a taboo growing up as it is for most people and, um, and going to massage school too. It's like, we learn how to touch the body yet. We have to stay away, right. As you should professionally in certain areas. But um, I noticed that there was a lot of people that just are kind of like um, asleep in it. So now I'm kind of bringing it all together. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got here. (laughs) Short version. (laughs) I, it's interesting when you talk about the, uh, like using alcohol as medicine, right. To, to, Mm -hmm. and and I know I'm guilty of that. I know because it's the only available sort of uh, medicine out there that's legal and and accepted by our society. Mm -hmm. Right. And totally, totally. Yeah. And it's, it's, readily available all the times and I have to check and it's amazing when I take a break from alcohol and this podcast is not about this at all it just came up when you were talking about it because it hit, it hits home with me but when mm-hmm. I take a break from alcohol my sexual experience with my partner is so much more alive I think because I'm just yeah. more tapped in and not like totally numbed out like I can't feel much but I know mm-hmm. it's happening and sometimes it doesn't go that direction but it is something that um that really came up for me when you were talking about that. So congratulations on, mm. on being sober and, and in your sexual power. And, um, that's, that's commendable and great. And that's also, you know, and I like that you use the word medicine because it's like the, when things are in moderation and we're not using them as like our only coping mechanism to numb mm. or to feel something, um, it can't, you know, things can be medicine you know, at, at times Absolutely. And when they become the thing. That's like the only thing we know that is our crutch to escape or to not feel, um, then it's not medicine anymore. And this could be with anything. People do this with sugar. People do this yes. with so many different things. And we have, have our unique junk vices. Food, junk, yeah. Junk, yes. Yeah. Sex. Sex. sex yeah. Exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Exercise can be Exer- that too. I mean, I, yeah, I've been guilty of a lot of those things. Like I'm going to dive in and just get like so I can feel good about myself totally totally yeah I'm not mocking other you know people who are 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 uh, where we're just relating I think to Mm -hmm. to you and to to folks that might be doing this is that like we've been there we might be there right now in various ways and like totally understand moderation that's some key advice uh something that we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast which I know is is it's it's an awesome topic and bisexuality of course Mm -hmm. uh, right there's a lot of identification Identificative ter is it identificative? Identifying? Identifying. Identifying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like identificative. That's cool. <laughs> I make up words I too. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> We're gonna get we a, usually don't. an email about that. Yeah, one. we will. Um, but there's so many uh, obviously uh, LGBTQ I, there's a lot of folks that identify as different ways. And and obviously I've always identified as being bisexual until I realized that more hetero flexible and, uh, pansexual was kind of what I was. It's like energy. And I would love to talk more about the misconceptions of bisexuality. Can you talk about what some of those are? Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, yeah, there's so many ways to identify now. Right. And so one thing that you know, I notice with bisexuality, you know, people 
there's a ton of misconceptions. And one of them is like, you know, um, that there's a choice involved, right? Like you can choose to be bisexual or whatever. And another one that comes up is, oh, this is just a phase for you, right? That's a big one. Like, oh yeah, you're just exploring. You'll grow Um, out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fine. Um, You know, or something like it's greedy, right? Like you're too greedy. I've heard that so many times because I, I too identify as bisexual. And so people will have made comments about, oh, you just can't choose or you want it all kind of thing. That's a huge misconception. Or bisexuals, you know, they lean towards non-monogamy and tend to cheat or they're attracted to everybody or they want to fuck everybody. You know, that's like another huge one. Um, And, you know, there was, there's one about um, bi women, you know, are bi to capture attention of men or like to use it as a alluring tool um, or bi people are straight um, or gay depending on who they're dating so it's like actually I'm bi either way mm-hmm. <laughs> right it doesn't matter who dating. Um, or they're more into like having sex with a lot of people and they can't make up their mind and um, or they're only bi because they're scared of saying that they're gay mm-hmm. like that one I think is really uh, intense. I've heard that one before. I'm like, really? What, what does it matter? There's also yeah. one that I've heard too, though, it, that as well, um, it within, uh, that I mean, this may be more so in the queer community with folks who identify more as maybe lesbian or gay or, mm-hmm. um, or I know that people, some people use the Kinsey scale, which is kind of like a number yeah. system, um, where I forgot what side of it, it I, I don't actually know the Kinsey scale perfectly. Um, Wednesday Martin always talks about it's some, it. So the Kinsey scale, like no one usually, it's rare to fall so one on one side or the side other. Or the other. Yeah, Everyone kind of is in somewhere between. in the middle, which is yeah. the kind of like the bisexual status. And form, you move, yeah. you also, I think, can move around, yeah. I believe, too. And so totally. a lot of folks think that bisexuality is kind of, like you said, a phase or this like bullshit thing that is temporary or a cop-out um and that and that I've heard of folks who say that they're bisexual and they feel almost like invisible in their sexuality Mm -hmm. and and to me like I mean and April I think agrees we're both very much advocates of like you get to choose your own labels your label can change every day no one else gets to decide what that is for you um and that's that fluidity part that we'll we'll talk more about but yeah I've heard a lot of these different pieces and then one other one that I hear often is um is more so that women are just naturally more uh, bisexual and almost, and also like women who are um, very heterosexual and actually aren't feeling at all heteroflexible or bisexual. Mm-hmm. They're almost like, uh, I'm not invisible, but like people are like, that's not true for you. You know, so there's yes. so many things like, uh, like women, all women are kind of open to hooking up with women on the occasion, which is like, not true. Yeah. Who said that? And then I've also heard bisexual men feeling kind of invisible because, mm-hmm. because of the homophobia and because of all these different things so I, I think this is just really interesting to bring up that's a wait, what sorry I like that is a great point the mm-hmm. like bisexual men a lot of time bisexual penis owners let's say right yes I I felt like over the course of my life I've heard so many people say really like harsh things about that like they're definitely they're gay and I'm like what the fuck why can't people experiment and so I think it's shifting or just not be gay or be just, bisexual or just <laughs> not have to put a label on it they're yeah. open they're they're that's the fluidity part right yes yes yeah the labels are just they 
let's stop the labels. Or someone wants a label for themselves. So my mom, my whole life was, um, you know, married to my dad, only been with men. Um, mm-hmm. We opened up a sex shop together after she had already been divorced from my dad. And since then, I've been engaged to two different men. We opened up a sex <laughs> shop together and she's like, we live in Santa Cruz too. She's like, I think I'm going to try dating women. I was like, awesome. go for it, Jan. Yes. Go for it. And, um, yeah. But at first she didn't want to take labels. She was like, I'm not taking a label of queer or bisexual. Then she was like taking on a label, I believe, of queer and didn't want to just be put, because queer is pretty umbrella. And then she, I think since and now is identifies as bisexual, but in her this phase in life is only with women and still has attraction to men. But again, an example of she gets to fucking decide and it can change moment to moment, day by day. No one gets to be like, well, you know, a year ago you were only with men and you didn't say this. So you're not this now. And check yourself humans on, on us deciding what other people get to be and what they get to say about themselves. Um, and so this brings me to this. Now we're talking about misconceptions. I'm curious about kind of like the power of sexual fluidity, not saying that it's above anything, right? If people say I'm super you know, heterosexual or homosexual, whatever, whatever they say, that's, uh, that's fine for them. But like, what is the power of sexual fluidity and how can we, what do people get out of being sexually fluid? Yeah. So you know, fluidity in gender and sexuality gives more of an acceptance for our different manifestations of our erotic selves to come through, right? So that's where I think the power really lies. And when we allow ourselves to be open and curious, we meet the world differently. And there's often more of an openness that can be, that can happen. So that's what's so great about sexual fluidity. And I think you're right with the labels, right? Like moving out of this label um, heavy world or, or sense that we've kind of been in to more of being able to say, well, yeah, today I'm feeling this, tomorrow I'm feeling this. There's so many different, um, it's like the human condition. We, we move through it, we evolve. And um, so I think that's where the power it lies is you get more of this seeing of of self and being able to see all aspects of you. And so holding on to labels can be really um, heavy, you know, if you're really, really holding on. So I always love to talk about what you guys just said, like today I could be this, tomorrow I could be this. And I've gone through my own evolution of, you know, I was very much a heterosexual until I was queer or, and then I was gay. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually bisexual. And so all of it has been really um, uh, a whole exploration and evolution. And then it is what you feel comfortable with. What is it that you want to, if you want to at all, mm-hmm. like identify as? And you don't even have to have a label. <laughs> but the power of fluidity really is just being able to have um, more aspects of yourself come through within, with a willingness and openness for that. Mm. And I want to remind listeners too, where, you know, we were talking about bisexuality, we're talking about, you know, an orientation, um, yeah. you know, to the people that you want to be sexually intimate with. Um, and it doesn't speak to behavior. So there still is this mm-hmm. thing of like, you know, you're a penis owner and you like to be fucked in the ass, then you must be gay. No matter who that person is, a fucking, is fucking the ass. Do they have a strap on? Do they have a penis? Are they just mm-hmm. using speakers? And, and so it's, isn't about the, the act that we're talking referring to, you know, you get to decide if you want a label and what your label is going to be and, you know, should that change based on the people that you're attracted to and what's, you know, what that, the social constructs around that. But again, you're the creator of what that can look like. 
Yeah. And, and I love and, that. The yeah. creator. Cause I uh-huh. think that's what we're coming into now, right? You are the creator. You own what you want to create and manifest in the world. So, yeah. And how can people learn like folks out there, how can they learn to be more sexually fluid? Well, I think, I think what that comes down to is really um, acceptance, right? Acceptance of yourself, acceptance of these desires that you might have. Um, it's, it's your own journey. And, and so you have to really, if you're willing to open that door a little bit, there can be a lot around sexuality that we can hold. And so, um, yeah, you know, asking people in the community of their stories, doing that kind of research, just kind of starting to um, ex- uh, explore more of the LGBTQIA, yeah. <laughs> all of the and the letters that. that keep on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I love. <laughs> it's like we got too. a new letter. I'm I like, know. Awesome. I do. Yeah. 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 I love that I, acceptance is so important. And what oh, I think you're, you're speaking to isn't like, all right, I'm a straight person. I'm gonna become bisexual, and like you, because there is. You know, and, and I can speak from for myself as someone. So you know, having a, a queer mama, and I'm like, God, I kind of wish I was like, you know, just more more queer and more bisexual. And, and I have done what I called like it's almost been like research. I'm like, I own, you know, I own a sex shop and I'm a sex educator. So like, I mm-hmm. should be interested in playing with women. Was totally doing it more for the male gaze when I started to mm-hmm. explore it. Um, didn't explore it with penetrative sex, but explored it with threesomes with um another pe- a penis owner and then another vulva owner. And three different Volvo owner owning women that were friends that I explored and I totally initiated it and it was always with the same guy and he's like this is awesome we were not partners and um and to me it just felt like you know they're beautiful women it felt like I was forcing something it felt like I was um it was felt the same as hooking up with a man I wasn't attracted to and mm-hmm. but, it, but it was also it, it was fun I was like at one point putting a butt plug in one of my girlfriend's asses for the very first time like I took her anal virginity <laughs> so since then now she loves anal and um and so there was this fun explorative phase and but I what I learned from it was that you know I, it couldn't be forced I couldn't become something even though I had access to all these things, I had this idea of what I wanted to be that I couldn't become it. And I think it would be the same for anyone else, whether they want to become, um, you know, so I want to, I want to become heterosexual. You know, it's like there is, there is a nature versus nurture. I believe in all of it, you know, personally, I think that, you know, the re- the research does show that there's so much that is innate and there is things that are learned. But I, what I'm hearing from you is when you're talking about sexual fluidity and how we can learn to be more sexually fluid, it's almost like, maybe correct me if I'm Wrong. It's almost more like tapping into a who am I really? In, who am I really in this moment versus who do I want to make myself be because someone said I should be that? Absolutely, absolutely. Or what label do I want to hold? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what um, that's why the acceptance piece is so important because it's it's looking at yourself and also accepting where you are, mm-hmm. which is so huge. You, mean, you mm-hmm. can't pray the gay away. No, Chip. I don't think so. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think any praying the gay way and yeah. like, the whole they tried like, a lot, and yeah. there's still a lot of gay people. So. Yeah, they're trying to try and send them off to these like rehabilitation centers yeah. where they like beat the gay out of them. Yeah. You're like, what? The oh yeah, fuck? it sounds it's terrible. Fun. Exactly, it's terrifying. It's and then, so and then, I'm like, God bless the gays, please, please. Yeah. I love. I just like, oh my God, if I the gay community is what like got me through living in LA. I loved like being a part of it. And I was like, I felt like I was an imposter because I have never identified with being 
uh, one way or the other. I never was like, mm-hmm. I'm queer. I was like, I have acceptance and anyone I meet, whether or not I'm going to feed off their energy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that goes in with your acceptance piece. It's like having an open mind and me going to like gay bars, gay clubs. I love it. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, fuck, I feel like I'm right at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, that brings me to one more question. We are going to switch over a little bit because you do a lot of work about something called the power of the pause or pause up level with edging. And so it's like, we're kind of taking a whole 180 here, but (laughs) I just wanted to ask one, one last question, because I know we have, you said you were raised with a lot of, um, I think you said with some religious shame, Mm -hmm. what would be, you said acceptance. And so maybe that's just going to be what you say is for our listeners who have that, who feel that they are something, um, you know, beyond or different or, or more expanded from what, how they've, uh, late, they've identified and there's shame around that their family won't accept them. So there's mm-hmm. the acceptance, but what it would be your tips for how they can find that? Like, I know listening to podcasts like this, um, we get emails all the time from people that this has changed their lives. We're like, Oh, just hearing other perspectives. Um, do you have any other words of wisdom for those folks who feel kind of, uh, like stuck and limited and want to break through some of that shame? Yeah, that one, you know, it's, it's a heavy, it can be, it can feel very heavy. Right. And so I think definitely finding community talking about it. I think the more we voice it and the more we use um, our voice to move this shame. So that could be in words with like conversations that can be through writing, you know, like really, um, and exposing yourself to these different stories because then you don't feel so alone. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's what shame can also do is you kind of feel like you're all by yourself and you, you don't know how to get out of it and nobody's going to love you. Nobody's, this is wrong. This is bad. This is, you know, all of that can come along with it. And so I say, find community, talk to people, um, talk about your fears, talk about the shame, speak to the shame, you know, speak that you are that you have the feelings of, um, guilt maybe, or that, you know, you weren't raised this way, or you have all these old beliefs that you're trying to break through. I think often when we're going through something really emotional, we tend to internalize, we don't speak about it. We kind of keep it in and then it goes through our mind and it just kind of ruminates there. And so one thing by finding community and then also being able to, to talk about it can bring in this acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe. I yeah, I totally. Believe. For folks who feel like they don't have access to community, you know, they live in some small town in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is the power of the internet, and the yes. power there's we have access now, especially this day and age. People yeah. are really, mm-hmm. really u- utilizing that. Yeah. So let's switch gears. Uh, although sexual fluidity is so important, and thank you for sharing all that wisdom and knowledge with us and our listeners. Uh, so you do a lot of speaking around, as Amy was talking about, the power of pause. And when mm-hmm. Amy was telling me about that, I was like, you mean like pause, dog like pause? my animal yeah. pause? I'm like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> you started like, Yeah. We're dog people. You're yeah. the second person who's told that, yeah. who said that. Like, We're talking about dog therapy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, I was just joking, but I wanted to say it because I thought that you would like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So can you talk about the power of pause? It's like up uh, level with edging. So obviously yeah. we'd also love to hear more about edging. And yeah, let's start with that. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I, so the power of the pause, right. Um, pausing, taking a, taking a moment basically is what a pause is, right. It's like stopping, taking a moment. And what that does, it actually gets you into your body. 
So I use it as like huge embodiment practice too. It can, it can shift energy so quickly. And one way that you can use it in sex is through edging. And so, um, you know, if you haven't heard of edging, edging is about coming close to your orgasm, but not letting yourself go over the edge, right? So you like play with that, with the edge of it. Um, and so it can, it can also explore your capacity for pleasure. So that's one of the really cool things about edging is you can really be in your body and see where your pleasure threshold is, where you want to expand. Um, and it can also take the pressure off of having to orgasm, right? Because if you're like, oh, I'm going to play in this and I'm going to pause and I'm going to stop, I'm going to edge and then I'm going to come back. It takes off that like, oh my God, there's a goal. We have to get to an orgasm or, or whatever. So um So yeah, so you can, you know, use it in self-pleasure time and it creates endurance and stamina. Um, When you're in the act of sex with a partner, you can use it to reconnect to your partner energetically. And, you know, you guys can both take a moment and and see each other again. And then that can go deeper into a connection piece and and love. and, and, um, And you can also use that moment or that pause to really check in with yourself. Like, what is it that I'm wanting? What is my desire right now? Which is powerful. It's potent, you know, to, to ask yourself those things. So, um, so that's what the pause can pause can do. And then, you know, you can practice edging either, like I said, solo, um, with a partner you can do, you know, part of edging is playing with that edge, but then you can play with, I like to say, you know, red light, yellow light, green light. So you, um, there's different ways you can, can do that. So like red light would be stopping completely. Um, so you're in the act, you're getting close to orgasm and then you can work with your partner. So one thing, if you are doing this with your partner is communicate with your partner that you want to like practice edging and (laughs) taking a pause because then they, they're not just like, what are you doing or why are you stopping? Yeah, you're, you're like, <laughs> like what's wrong? Like, what does yellow light mean? Simon says red light. Yeah. Green light. Yeah. They're like, uh, exactly. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, so I definitely like, I talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and I, so, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this right now. This is going online a, a month later, but I, so it's masturbation May right now. Mm-hmm. Our homework, so we do a challenge. Yeah. Last year we did a 30 day challenge where we asked people to self-pleasure for 10 minutes a day. Um, but mindfully meaning they weren't distracting. They weren't trying to get reach orgasm. They weren't, we're not using uh, porn and sex toys, unless they really, some people need to use sex toys for that. But um, at any rate, we weren't shaming those things either. It was more like just come and become into with your body. Mm-hmm. This year, what we did is we're doing three different weeks and they're different. The first week was similar, self-pleasure with your hands for seven days, just as we, I said. This week is with sex toys, but it's still edging with sex toys where you don't just get yourself off in 30 seconds. You have to self-pleasure to be a part of this challenge for 10 minutes a day or no, just one session things for 10 minutes without giving yourself the orgasm. People are like, huh? You know, yeah. what are you talking about? Why would I do that? And, yeah. um, and so I hear what you're saying. There's this part that is allows you to be more embodied and do a check-in with yourself to see what's really present. Another part is when you finally have the orgasm, it's yeah. often fucking powerful. Like but there it's is something so to be powerful. About that. Yeah. Maybe you can speak on that a little bit. Yeah. So one of the things that this does, right, as you edge in the body is it keeps you in this heightened state of arousal, right? So the blood flow kind of remains in the pelvis and then 
that just increases the pleasure. So when you actually um, get to orgasm, it, I mean, it's huge. It's, it's super potent and powerful because you've been waiting, right? It's like this arousal state. And so you keep going there and the blood's there and it's like all the erectile tissues like ready to it's go ready. and yeah. finally release it all. So yeah. the power of the orgasm um, can be really high, heightened, which is exactly. really part of why you should when I do it. When I've done that before, the with, with like actually this month I've been doing it, but that's when I can squirt when I like orgasm yeah. and then I'm like, I have to keep going. And that's when like, uh, the whole female ejaculation can happen. So, uh, I, that's something that I only, I only learned through not, it wasn't edging cause I would orgasm, but then I'd have another one and another mm-hmm. one. We also compare it to like, we were talking about this before the call about how we're traveling less. And so like April who lives with their partner, there's like this, there was actually some good things about travel because it made you, you know, maybe desire them more because you weren't getting access to them right away. And so this applies to so many things like humans, you know, we kind of do want what we can't get super easily. It becomes more desirable for our, you know, our mind, bodies and our spirits. And so with orgasm, you can think of it as not like, I'm going to torture myself unless you're into that. Some people like some torture, but also like, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to really postpone this intentionally once I can be more embodied. And two, because when I finally um, I'm able to receive the thing, um, and, and hopefully coming more more naturally as opposed to you forcing this thing. You know, it has to happen. I have to orgasm, which gets in most so many people's way. Um, yeah. But when you get it, then you're like, oh wow, so much more sensation, so much more mm-hmm. aliveness, so much more power is available. Um, I've yeah, I've I've totally experienced that. Hard to do though because we're also impatient, you know. And <laughs> I was gonna say it's yeah. delayed satisfaction, like. You have to like really, or like that delayed gratification, right? We want things, we want to get there. And that Mm -hmm. orgasm can be really goal oriented and this pulls that away from it. So it's cool. Yeah, Yeah. I love instant gratification as much as a person. (laughs) And practice makes perfectly imperfect in the words of Brene Brown. Whereas like right now, if it feels hard to to wait and to push back the, um, you know, the going over the edge, um, the more you practice it, the more we can learn patience and we can learn how to, this is like why sex, great sex is a meditation, um, which mm-hmm. it seems like that's very kind of similar. That's kind of a lot of the premise of what you're, you're teaching is in that slowness and in that inner listening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then it gets you, drop, it drops you into your body and then you, and then you get to, I mean, that your body is where you have all this sensation, right? So then it's like even more awareness. So then it even heightens that um, aspect. So, yeah. So you do a lot of work around intimacy and embodiment. You, you do coaching, you're an educator. If folks out there want to find you and work with you, can you just give all your plugs and handles? Where can we find you? Yeah. <laughs> five, so five, five. What's your address? Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> Social yeah. security number is. Yeah. You get Where a lot of stalkers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so easiest place to find me, of course, is MoniqueGomez.com. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram handles at underscore Monique Gomez underscore. Um, those are, yeah, those are the best places. And then you can always email me with questions at info at MoniqueGomez.com. And you have a TEDx talk too. If people just Google that, or is it on your website? Yeah, it's both. So I have it on my website. Um, I did a TEDx talk about the power of the pause. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also Google it, Monique Gomez, power of the pause, and it will come up for the TEDx. 
Awesome. Love that. Yeah. This was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed hanging out with you. I think the first 15 minutes though was super funny before we were recording with you. You just went <laughs> yeah. I was like, we're going to change it up today, Monique. We're going to do everything, the interview in, in song. And, and you have to sing all your answers. She started singing. Yeah. You're like, perfect. I was like, I love you. And then I'm like, nope, we're switching it to haikus now. Like, What's a haiku? I forgot. <laughs> I was ready. I was yeah, like, you go. were. You were really on it. So I just appreciate you and, and, and thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. And I know you're not a wine drinker, Monique, but some people <laughs> out there might be. And if you're out there, why not? Why not have wine a glass of margins wine? Yeah, we didn't coin that one, but we should have, huh? Trademark, trademark. <laughs> so if you would love to experience the beauty of margins wine, as Amy and I have been doing now, because you know we're particular about the people that we talk about on the show, and you can go to marginswine.com and see why we love it so much. There are coupon codes for buying. Just check, our, check it out on our website. She does run out of wine quite often because it is made in small batches. It's really boutique beautiful wine. So hopefully you can get on that mailing list and get the first round of the next go. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. I absolutely love each and every one of you. I know Amy does. I can speak for her because she's right here. So we will see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.